I've been told by everybody up on this roof that they're all off the roof. I am on the roof of Exposure 4. Got fire through the roof of the fire building in the entire rear section. Hey, welcome back to Old School. I'm Chief Rick Lasky, along with my best buddy. Uh, I don't want to say partner in crime because we're not criminals, but uh, uh, my best bud, Chief John Selka, and who's uh, he's uh, you can't see him, but he's uh, doing his uh, grandpa duties. Uh, he's not quite uh, Mickey Conboy yet with uh, 136 grandchildren, but uh, <laughs> he's working his way. So he's got one. He's rocking another one watching Sesame Street on the floor and and um, uh, everything else going on. But uh, we've got we've got a great show for you today. Uh, just a reminder, um, I'll be posting later on. Do not forget to register for FDIC. And if you're coming to our five alarm leadership, real leadership Over people workshop on Monday, the seats go fast, especially for that program. It's it's right out of ripped right out of our book, our leadership book. And you asked for it. We brought it back. Um, uh, so don't wait because it happened last year. We're doing a three degrees of Mady, which we're doing on Wednesday, by the way, again, the class filled up and they shut the doors, um, you know, uh, per code and only allow so many people in there. So make sure you get registered early for our workshop at five, uh, at, uh, for five alarm leadership at FDIC, uh, in a couple months in April. Um, that being said, we've got an awesome, I, when I say awesome guest, forget that for a moment. And, and one of our best friends, um, now I'm going to have to mute him cause he's going to tell me to shut up cause I'm going to do some bragging about <laughs> him right now. But, uh, he's an incredibly close friend to my good buddy, chief John Salka. He's one of my good friends. I love him dearly. Um, chief Butch Cobb, and I'm going to read you his, 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 his bio. Um, and I'm actually, he told me, you don't have to read it all, but I told him be quiet. I'm going to read a lot of it. So Butch, Butch served with the Jersey City, New Jersey Fire Department for 34 years. And if you know Jersey City, I remember John used to say, look, if you want to come ride Rescue 3, that's great. But if you want to go to fires like all day long, go to go, go across the Jersey City because they fight fires all, all day long there. But during his career with the department, Butch served as a firefighter and a captain in some of the busiest units, Engine 20, Engine 22, Ladder 5, and Rescue 1. Um, and that was the Rescue 1 in Jersey City. Um, that being that 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 being said, after his promotion to battalion chief, uh, the department assigned Chief Cobb command of the second battalion. Upon his promotion to deputy chief, the department appointed him chief of operations for Jersey City. Uh, Butch also held the positions of chief of training, one of his passions, citywide tour commander, and deputy coordinator of the OEM and Homeland Security. Um, after retiring, Chief Cobb joined ISO, where he did incredible incredible things. In fact, John. Um, you and I talked about it. Butch is already going to help me with Estes Valley. <laughs> He's already, <laughs> he already pulled all their paperwork. He already pulled all their paperwork. Um, 
is going to help me. Uh, back in 2010, uh, when he was uh, very heavily involved with ISO, he was promoted to the national director, uh, which was huge there. Uh, in addition to his career fire department experience, he was a volunteer firefighter and past fire, uh, uh, fire chief of District 4 in West Milford Township, New Jersey, and past chief of Dumont, New Jersey Fire Department. Butch, Butch is a Vietnam veteran. Um, having served with the 1st Aviation Brigade in Vietnam in 68-69. And again, when John and I talk about him in our classes, and if you've been to our classes, we always talk about Butch. I don't think there's a class that John Salk and I teach where we don't have a, a leadership story about our friend Butch Cobb. Um, but I always refer to, here's a guy that you would never, ever, ever, ever know it, who's got like medals down past his toes. Um, he's He's one of the most humble dudes that we know. Um, he's one of the most passionate people about the fire service we know. Um, and he's, he's got a topic today that, um, we had talked about and we, all three of us said, this has to be a podcast, especially for old school. Um, and it's a new program that he's going to be teaching, uh, for a lot of the organizations. I, I, I would bet in a heartbeat that Sue, our good friend at the New York state chiefs would like grab him in a second for this. Cause he's taught for her for decades. Um, He's going to be all actually in a great way all over. You'll don't know when I give you the title all over the country doing his program, but his program is titled beyond the flames, a successful journey through PTSD. And Butch is going to walk us through why he got to this point where he wanted to share his story. But Butch, I'm, I'm, I'm throwing it back. All right. I'll take you off mute. Cause you told me not to read all that, <laughs> but, uh, but welcome to the show, brother. Thank you. Rick. Thank you. And congratulations on your new position of uh, Chief in Estes Valley. Uh, oh. I'm very proud of you, and I'll be one of your first visitors. Oh, thanks, brother. I was so excited when you said your wife has friends there. I'm like, oh, I, John knows. I said, here, I can't wait to get Butch there like some other people and, and show you off and introduce you to our staff and to my bosses. And, uh, we, you know, we, we talk about the fire service all the time. All of us have served. I, John and I both currently serve as volunteer firefighters and career on a career side. The career staff during you know that are incredible. I, I talk about the time I have the dream team. Um, I have the dream team, which kind of makes me nervous because, you know, John always says nothing's that good. You know, you got to be careful. But I'm like, I don't know. They're they're pretty damn good, man. And then I've got a group of volunteers that are phenomenal, Butch. The, these men and women are like, they're falling over themselves to get to calls. They're dedicated. They have fun. I mean, it's just. There was I taught for him last February, and the 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 energy that I got um, from the the members is why I wanted it. it really, I didn't even see the mountains because I got there at night and taught when it was dark out, you know, in the morning. I wanted to be part of that fire department. I wanted to be, you know, me. I want to be part of something special. And uh, God blessed us. God bless us. So we're heading there. But Butch, now real quick before we get going. Um, so what, what do you what are you doing lately? Um, um, I know you're bouncing around doing different things. I know people still they, all the time they they call you to come do everything from tactics to strategy to leadership to everything else. But give us an update and and uh, uh, how many grandkids compared to John Salka do you have going on? So I only have four. I have uh, three boys back in uh, Goodyear, Arizona, and um, one five year old here, Delaney, who uh, I'm hanging out with this week um, in, in the Upper Saint Clair, which is a suburb of Pittsburgh. So. You know, to tell you the truth, Rick, I've kind of cut back quite a bit. Um, there was something about turning 75 a couple months ago that, that made me say, hey, listen, uh, um, 
Maybe not time to hang up the fire service, but but you would never know that. You're you're you seriously. You're like John. Um, age doesn't matter. I'm I'm telling you, dude. You you know you like. Well, a lot of young guys don't know him. You like Dick Clark. You, you I <laughs> I look at pictures of you from fire pictures and stuff, and there's no difference. There's no difference. Yeah, I, I appreciate that, but yeah. So I I really haven't been doing um too much. Uh, been doing maybe two or three conferences uh, now a year and, and a couple local things, but um, you know, and and I did a uh, a fundraiser up in Massachusetts not too long ago. Um, it was for an organization that raised money for cops and firemen that that uh, you know need some help. But um, I've done three or four fundraisers, and I do fundraisers for free. Just get me there, fly me there, give me a couple of beers, a cup of coffee in the firehouse. And, uh, <laughs> Yeah, and uh, raise some money, and and, and I'm good. But uh, you know, for those kind of things, I don't, I don't take a dime. I and and I make sure that 100% of their their profit goes to what they say. So, so I do a few of them, but I'm really kind of cutting back. Um, you know, but you know, I'll, I'll see you guys at the FDIC. I hope, and uh, and then the New York State Chiefs in June. If uh, Sue sees something that that she likes and invites me, I'll, I'll go back there because that's New York State Chiefs is kind of old school for me. You get uh, you know, you get all the the old timers telling stories, and the stories are, <laughs> get better and better every year. I mean, the Lombardo stories, the Presley stories. Uh, um, uh, you know, I was talking with Timmy Clinton, his uh, his uh, sons last year. I mean, the stories are just. Uh, I love it when when some of the old timers speak, sitting in a bar having a couple of drinks, telling stories, and it's like five of you, and all of a sudden, half hour later, there's forty people, you know, shoulder to shoulder listening, <laughs> listening <laughs> to these stories. That, which we talk about, uh, John, talk about, um, well, two things I want John to chime in here about. One is uh, just what Butch said, John, about, you know, Chief Joe, <clears throat> when he does the Joey D Memorial Symposiums, symposiums uh, with, with with the bailout harnesses and belts, <clears throat> the Friday night before class, John, I always talk about that. Talk about, you know, when we were there and I was there with you on Long Island and Friday night, I remember standing next to Joe Downey. And I'm all these guys, Butch, are coming up to the podium, John and 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 John. Who, so some of the guys that were there, I kept leaning over to Joe, going, "You remember the movie uh, Field of Dreams, Butch?" And when oh, yeah. Archie yeah. Graham, the kid, walks over the field, goes, "That's Shoeless Joe Jackson. That's Mel Ott. That's a that's that's a video. And he was awestruck. I'm standing there <laughs> looking at Joe Downey, going, "Do you know who that is?" He goes, "Yeah, I know who that is." I go, "Do you know who that is?" And everybody had a story. John, who was so that night? Um, one of your favorite chiefs, Chief Kennedy, right? You got a, there were so many great yeah. there night. Yeah, Tom Kennedy was there. Tom's a he's a legend in the job. He's a, one of the guys I tried to learn from and model myself off of. And he's also a guy I tried to to please. That sounds odd, but you know, when he was running the fire and I was a lieutenant in the squad or wherever I was, he was uh there was no doubt who was in command and what he wanted. He was always very clear and very, and very, uh, he always took command, which was, you know what? He's one of the guys I learned that from. You meet some of these other chiefs, they get a little wishy-washy or they get a little soft-spoken about things. And Tom was always, was always right there. He always knew who, where he was and what was going on, what he wanted from you. That was great. And he's one of the guys that appeared at these gatherings that, that Joe puts on, you know, in the hotel and in, in one of the meeting rooms the night before. And, uh, and they bring along some of their old buddies from 82 and 31 years ago when rescue three. And, uh, like you said, they, they'd get up one of the time and start telling 
you know, telling, <laughs> I don't like to say telling tales because tales, you know, when you say word tales, it sounds like it might not be true, but they, they were, they were relating stories of, of stuff that they went through and things that they did that, are, that are, even to a guy like me that was on a job and, you know, I was on a job for 33 years and still some of those stories to me are astonishing, astonishing. Well, yeah. it was funny because some, you know, they get going, but Butch halfway through it, I was, I was either laughing at a story or I was wanting to put my face piece on because I was waiting for it to light up on me in the conference room. There was, I was crawling hallways with them and just, it was incredible. So John, second thing, I talk about, you often talk about it. You and Butchie go way back. Let's, let's just reminisce about that a little bit. Your relationship with, with Butch Cobb, our good friend, Chief Butch Cobb. I know you talk about um, your connection with him to your, your Worcester family um, and what happened back in Worcester and, what you guys did, but talk a little bit about your relationship with Butch, because you know, and I, that, that's so important. There's so many great people in the fire service and we often overlook the relationship part of, we, we talk brother and sister stuff, but then we don't talk about why. And I, you, you, you talk about Butch all the time in a great way and you love him, but I mean, how did that all start between you two? You know, we really, uh, I so many people I know in the fire service, including guys in the FDNY, along with guys outside, of course. Uh, you know, I met through Harvey, through Firehouse Magazine, through oh, teaching and traveling and writing. You know, Harvey, yeah. Harvey's fingerprints are all over the fire service. They're all over the FDNY. I'll tell you that. There's guys that went all the way to chief of department that were friends with him and taught with him and 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 got you know speaking opportunities through him or writing opportunities through him and and butch and i are, are two of those guys you know like i i, I said that all the time i said if it wasn't for harvey eisner there'd, there'd be no john salka out there writing articles or writing books or, or doing the things i do my what career the hell would i do that I'd be, I'd be out of I mean, <clears throat> i'd be like lonely i'd be like i'd be turning going and there'd be nobody that would turn to and say what do you think john <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'd still be right where you are. You would be. You would be. Yeah. But uh, it's like it's a wonderful life, you know. The, the the guy that wished he was never was born, and 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 somebody was able to show him what what the world would be like if he never was born. But but Harvey's that guy. Harvey is that guy. There are so many people out there. Um, if, I mean, listen, even a guy like Vinnie Dunn, who is famous and he's a legend in his own right. But you know what? Harvey's the guy that opened up the magazine to him. Harvey's the guy that published him and 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 put his put his name wow. out there, you know. Wow. So, uh, and that's how Butch and I met. We met through Harvey yeah. and through teaching and through seminars and stuff like that. And it was just, uh, you know, and what it is is there's hundreds and hundreds of speakers and there's thousands of people at these conferences. And once in a while, you just you just click in and you just meet a guy or a gal yeah, and they're like, yeah. yep. And you, and you have a connection. All of a sudden you become friends and you see each other again before, you know, it. I mean, he'd been to my house, I've been to his house. And then of course, you know, you mentioned Worcester, Butch was really the, uh, Butch was really the driving force behind everything that happened up in Worcester after the tragedy. Obviously the tragedy occurred and the guys there carried a heavy load. They carried a heavy load. They did a lot of work up there and, and they got to a, they got to a, I don't know, almost an insurmountable, you know, event, but they did. And, and one of the things that Butch introduced after it was all over was, Hey, let's, let's do some training. Let, let's let's get some drills going on here about this and about that. And, you know, and he can tell you more, you should give him an opportunity to talk about that uh, while we're on. And, uh, and, and that whole series of seminars that we had and stuff like that, that was all, 
that was all hatched by Butch. You know, he's the one that got all that stuff going. Well, and I just, I remember, obviously you introduced me to Butch a long time ago. And then it, since then, it's always been, we, we're, we're talking and bumping into each other and busy on the phone and stuff. But Butch, uh, you know, as we're walking down this path and we're going to be talking about your program a little bit, talk to, I, I don't want to pass by what you guys did for Worcester after that, that, uh, tragedy is just i mean it's yeah. one of those horrific things that they the, the pain that they went through and the heartbreak but you guys did some pretty awesome and, you, and john always says my buddy butchie got this thing going what what did you guys do as for our listeners uh with worcester well i'm gonna try to capsulize it it was i was sitting on my computer one day it was it was after the uh the event at Worcester. i had gone up there with, with a good friend of mine lenny rubicki and we stood outside the fence we had our gear in it in the car, we just, you know, we just had this sense, let's go up and see, you know, we were in the rescue together. So anyway, um, come back from all that, um, and I'm sitting on my computer, long time ago. So this is you know, before text message and all this though. I got a thing, thing rings on my computer and it's from Lieutenant Andy White. And I'm thinking, I don't know this guy, but I opened it up and he says, I'm a Lieutenant Worcester. He said, I've been reading your articles. I saw some of your training on, uh, Rescue and trap firefighters and and blah 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 and and I had a company back then it was called the Surviving the Fireground LLC. So he said, you know, could you could you give me a call? So I called him and talked on the phone. And, and what happened is I said I'll come up and I'll, you know I'll take a look at everything and and uh, we could we could chat about it. And so I went up and uh, I met Mike uh, uh, Mike McNamee who the the chief who saved so many. So many guys at that 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 incident. I talked to everybody, you know, look at what they did, listened, and and uh, you know the whole story to that, listening to, to what they did. But um, um, and I brought Mickey Conboy with me because uh, Mickey and I at the time we were traveling together. We were doing a hands-on training program. Um, Mickey and I, Mickey was a volunteer fireman in Dumont when I was the chief in Dumont. So well, we we've been friends forever and ever. So I go up there with Mickey and. You know, we, we looked at everything, and, and uh, when it was all said and done, you know, I, they wanted us to kind of write a program, uh, a new training program for, for rescuing a trap disoriented or lost firefighter, is what it was called. So anyway, so, you know, I'm talking to Mickey, and, and I said, listen, why don't we put something together, a weekend program, like me and you, and maybe I'll get another guy, and if we can raise $1,000, $1,500, we'll give it to the wives and, and kids. So I went to the... Uh, I went to a couple guys that the union uh, was, was heavily involved in this from the beginning um, and told Andy and, and he said, oh, yeah, good idea. So I said to Mickey, OK, I said, you know what, to me and you, maybe we'll do like a Friday night and a Saturday. And, you know, I reached out. Um, I was going to reach out to a couple of the guys and and, uh, you know, I think I reached out to John and uh, I'm trying to think who else at the time. But my memory's a little fine. But anyway, so we started building this little weekend <laughs> Weekend seminar, and uh, I went to Harvey and I said, "Listen, I said, any chance you could like, give us a little line or something in the magazine?" And he goes, "Yeah, sure, sure." So he did, and you know, the guys from Worcester called up and said, "Hey, we already got like a hundred people wow. that want to come." Yeah, so I said, "Oh, geez, great," you know. And, and I'll fast forward. Um, Harvey gave us like a quarter page or a half page in the magazine. I called John. John, you know, obviously said yes right away. I called Vinny Dunn. Vinny said, said, I'm in. No questions asked. Nobody looked at a calendar. 
you know, it was it was such a traumatic event, not only for Worcester, I think for for a lot of the fire eye opening event for the for the fire service. So, so anyway, I called John, Vinnie Dunn, John Norman, Mike Smith out of Washington D.C. Um, who else was there, John? Uh, Mark McLeese, who was in the rescue at, in Syracuse at the time. Mickey, myself. I'm trying, I don't want to leave anybody out. But, what a uh, lineup. What a lineup. But, you know, here's the thing. Every guy I called, except one, said, absolutely, I'm coming. And I said, listen, this is on your own dime. There's no money. Yeah. And every one of them said, without hesitation, put me in. All right? Wow. Now, a little backstory to this. Um, I, I called Ray Downey. Um, and he said, I would love to, Butch. He goes, it's, it's, it's so great. But he, he said to me, he was involved with getting the USAR program up and running. And he was he was just so engaged with that and so busy. So he said to me, write me in for next year. If you're going to do it a second year, I'll be there. Wow. Put me down. So anyway, the, the short story to that is, um, uh, Ray Downey, again, there was no emails and stuff. So Ray, Ray said he'd send me his program right away, you know. <laughs> and I got, I got, uh, um, you know, I don't know how to put this, but uh, my wife handed me the envelope a, a couple days um, after 9-11 and the postmark, the postmark uh, for, for Ray Downey's program oh. was, was, was post-stamped um, September 11, 2001. And oh, it sits wow. in that envelope and, uh, you know, so just, but that was Ray. So, so we did this, um, and what happened after Harvey got involved, we had 1,120 people show up for that seminar, and they had to move it from, from the high school to another place, and then finally they had to move it to the uh, uh, the big uh, um, indoor, uh, I guess, basketball stadium, whatever it was, um, in Worcester. We had 1,120 people in the audience. Holy like, cow. For, for a the first weekend seminar, that's how much it touched, touched the fire service. I think there were guys there from like 35 states wow. in Canada. And you know what? It was so, it was so successful. And 100% of the money went to the wives and kids, like instantly. Boom. They took care of that. And then somebody said, hey, why don't we do it a second time? And, and you know what I know, Bob? It, 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 it began as one year, and we wound up doing it six years. One for each guy. One, One for each, each guy. And, yeah. and and John said, yeah, and I remember Butch, <clears throat> John's like, yeah, we're going up here. He goes, Butch's biggest, biggest challenge is so many great guys want to be part of it. You know, so many great, like, oh. hey, I'll, I'll come do it for free. I'll come teach for you. Every year. But, Every but year. You, you know, I, I know it's like running a conference. You got to be careful. You'll run out of room and run out of, you know, you'll be squeezing so much in that the programs will be so short that guys will go, I wish there was more. And the quality kind of, but how awesome is that? So many great people are like, Chief Cobb, Butchie, I'll come, I'll, I'll come, I'll do it. You know, just what, what, what time am I supposed to be there? I'll get my way there or whatever. But there, <clears> there's, <throat> the, there's the epitome of brotherhood. I mean, no questions asked. Tremendous tragedy. But then, what, John, when did we start the hands-on the second year? John, did you guys start the hands-on the second year? I don't remember. Yeah. I remember... But they, they, they had a vacant hospital with like five or six buildings. That I remember. Had, yeah, then we had hands-on guys come, and every program you could think of, we did. We had, we had uh, I think, the Massachusetts USAW team. We had USAW guys from Florida come up all on our own time. I mean, uh, it was 
There was a lot going on there. A lot of guys. Well, from and you know, I'll say this because we're about to jump into this topic. You know, there's a lot of ways that people can heal. There's a lot of ways people, you know, and, and in the fire service, we always feel cheated, right? When we lose a, a brother or sister, we always feel like we were cheated out of time with them. There wasn't enough time or because unlike some of the, some of the people we lose due to cancer and we know, you know, this is coming so on and so forth. Um, a lot of times we don't know, look what just happened, you know, Loudon, just what happened in Minnesota, you know, the, the two cops and the firefighter paramedic, which I don't know why the news says two, God bless them, two police officers and a first responder. Why don't you say it's a firefighter? But anyway, that being said, they had no idea. John says it all the time. They didn't get up that morning going, well, today's my last day. So here you have a traumatic event at the time. Um, it still is that you are allowed to offer some, that's a way to heal. It's like, we're doing it on their behalf. We're doing it in their name. We're helping their families. But in their name, we're training other firefighters how to stay healthy, stay alive. You know what I'm saying? It's what a great tribute. And I think, Butch, that helps people heal. That helps, you know, and you guys, you know what? I, this is why I give you credit. A lot of people ruin conferences because they just try, we're going to do this for 20 years. You know, they get, they, and it's a lot, I think a lot of ego gets involved where they like saying, I run the Butch Cobb, John Salka conference. And, you know, you guys did it for the six years, one one for each year. And you said, you know, we're done. We we did what we set out to do. And it was a great, and you you guys could still be doing it. But, you you know, I, I thought that was such a classy thing that you said we we had an impact. And uh, we're, we, you know, we, 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 we hit our mission. We completed what we wanted to do. Yeah. You know, and Rick, part of this was um, speaking to the Worcester guys. It was, you know, it was all they could do. Six years, all they could do. Cause you can imagine every year oh. with, with the six, yeah. With the six pictures up there and, and, and speaking about, you know, so it was, it was a, a combination of perfect timing, six, one for each, 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 you know each guy, um, and and they would they pretty much, you know it was uh, it was tough for them. I, I sometimes oh. I, you know I wondered how they got through. There were a lot every year. There were a lot of, a lot of tears, um, but what, what spawned from that was it ended in two thousand six, I think. Uh, two thousand, yeah, we started in two. It ended in two thousand six, but every year since then, the core group from Worcester, the core group of guys from the union. And me and John and Mickey and a couple other guys, we have met every year since then. Um, and it started out, we met the first week in December every year for, I don't, we're still doing it. We're still doing yeah. it. Uh, and that's how I was going. You guys are still meeting for, John goes, hey, yeah, yeah. I got to run up. Butchie's got, we do this every year. They were teaching. We, there's a group we get together. And all right, so let's do this, Butch. Let's do this. We're talking about your new program, uh, Beyond the Flames, a successful journey through PTSD. All right, let's let's talk about let's talk about Chief Butch Cobb and and what brought you to want to make a difference in other people's lives. What brought you to that point? You want to do your program? Well, a couple of things. One, one, I, I've been through it, uh, um, you know, and and more than once, and I always kept it kind of a secret. Um, and I guess it was kind of an ego thing. I didn't want anybody to know that. You know, it just seemed like to me. Uh, um, at the beginning, I felt like a, it was a weak spot in me, and I didn't want to share it with anybody. So I was very secretive about it. Um, you know, I went to therapy without telling anybody. Um, and being a, a Vietnam veteran, I had the greatest um, organization for PTSD in the world, and that was the, the, the Veterans Administration. 
they are the center of the universe for PTSD. And I wouldn't go there. I would, I, mean, I just said to myself, I'm not going there. You know, I, again, I, maybe an ego thing. I, you know, I, I was, um, you know, just getting back from Vietnam for me was, was successful. Well, and let me just say, if, if we think that people are hesitant now, even though we've, we've turned the corner and we're a lot more proactive about mental yeah. health awareness, can you, back walking home from Vietnam, that wasn't something that people, I mean, it, it was, I know when, when my brother passed away, you know, in the seventies, when he was nine, I was you know 13 and there were no counselors for kids back then, let alone adults. So you're coming back from Vietnam with not a whole lot of opportunity or proactiveness when it comes to what you guys went through. So go ahead, buddy. I'm sorry. Yeah. And it, and it really didn't, I, I came back from Vietnam at 69 and, and uh, it didn't hit me until uh, like 82, Rick. Um, I, I had, I had the classic flashback in 1982 after all those years. And it just hit me like with, with a ton of bricks, but I wouldn't go to the VA because I was, you know, um, I'll tell you a quick story. I, I finally, after a lot, after a lot, after 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 the, the drinking and and jettisoning all my friends and and everything, um, I finally called the EAP, the uh, Employee Assistance Program, which, which Jersey City had for a long, long time, and they said it was confidential. So I called. They gave me the name of a doctor. I called the doctor, um, um, Doctor Hill, and he said, "Okay, I'll see. I can see you in two days." I said, "Where's your office?" And he said, "The Jersey City Medical Center." And I said, "I can't go there." And I said, why? I said, because somebody will see me. So he goes, all right. He goes, I have an office in Bayonne, which is the next town over. I said, no, half my guys live in Bayonne. I'm not going there either. <laughs> so he said, listen, he said, I, I work with cops and firemen. I kind of understand. He said, um, I live in Hallworth, New Jersey. Sometimes I see see guys in, in, in my little office or in my living room. I said, perfect. I said, I live in Dumont, which is the next town over. <laughs> I went to his house. I couldn't, I didn't want anybody to see me. So that's just kind of how it was back then. You know, there was that incredible stigma of, of, of when you were a firefighter, you know, it was like, tough it up, you know, tough it out. And I told you the story, you know, you know this before we went live and John knows the story. When I was a cop earlier in my life, you know, I always tell people I sucked to being a cop because my first year as a cop, I got shot, stabbed and burned. I really sucked it. I ran into a burning building because I was a <laughs> firefighter with my plastic police uniform burned myself. I got stabbed in the wrist at a bar fight. I got shot through the windows of the police station. I told you earlier, when I went through the mandatory counseling, I did everything I could to get through as quickly as I could because I was the only one working that night besides Kenny Lubin that wasn't a Vietnam vet. And I thought I was a coward or a sissy or a, you know, and I paid, I told you, I won't get into I paid the price after that for that. And there were I didn't have the mentors. I didn't have, and I, I'm gonna I am gonna tell this story, John. You know, John and I share this story in class all the time. And I'm gonna I'm gonna do it right now, Butch. So you, you you know, we're at John's son's uh his, his he's got five kids. And when 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 James, his Marine Corps major, when he got married up at Poughkeepsie, I, you know, we were all there. And at our table is you, you know, you and your wife, my, you know, my wife, Jamie and I, and Jay Jonas and his wife and Mickey Conboy and Chris Lizzie was a, it was a great table. And after the wedding, we're at the reception and we're, we're sitting around and you, you remember this and everybody's talking, there's dancing going on and everything else. And you lean over and, and I always told John, I hope Butch don't mind me telling this story in class, but you have had an impact on firefighters that you don't even know. You have no idea how many firefighters you have an impact on. And I said, so Butch leans over and says, you know, Ricky, I'm, I'm going through counseling again. I go, oh, that's great, Butch. That, that's great. And you, and you go, you know, you know, the best thing about going through, through counseling? And, and I'm in my head, I'm going, 
you get you get to talk to someone you go i go you get to talk you go no i've had i can't tell me young firefighters that come up to me and said and went home and told their spouse said look if it's okay for butch one of the bravest dudes i know to go talk to someone i guess it's okay for me and i've had people come up in class after that story butch and go I'm that guy, man. I'm the one that never wanted to go. And I want people to talk about me. I, you know, my guys are going to think I'm, I can't lead them anymore. And you know, it's all that stuff. Um, and he goes, it's not. And he goes, I, I, I've had guys say I'm going, I, I, you know what? Just, I go, if you met Butch and you loved him like I do, and you knew his, I'm, look, he's a sweetheart, but he is a tough, badass dude. If he's willing to say, Hey, I'm going to go talk to someone. I just I had to intercept there and, and tell that because it's such a great story about Butch about Butch Cobb our friend and the impact you're in someone's life because of your you know we haven't even talked about nine eleven for you um, you know that was that was huge Butch I had to throw that in there because you're changing people's lives and you don't even know it yeah and you know I I, I saw it a little bit because after I said that and uh, you know after nine eleven guys called me up and said chief thanks. Um, you know, I really didn't want to go, but but you know, because of what you said. So that kind of made me feel a little bit better. But uh you know, uh it just I feel a little bad because I waited so long to to to, to put this program together. And and you know what? The, the, really the point of this program is 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 is, is just um you know kind of kind of what I wrote. Um there's really hope because the symptoms of PTSD don't have to last forever. If you just reach out to somebody, start the process, you know, if you've been going through for, for, for six weeks or six years, um, there's definitely hope. There are so many programs out there now. Butch, do, you, is, do you feel, Butchie, that that's the hardest thing, the first step? Is that like, oh, do you think God. the hardest step is the reaching out, making that call? Do you think that's the hardest? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and the flip side of this is so many people look at you and recognize that there's something different going on, but they don't say anything. So, you know, it, it's kind of, it, it's kind of a twin thing that, that you've got to, you've got to realize that something has to be done. And then somebody on the other side, you know, whether it's your boss at work or a friend just notices something that's just off a little bit, you know, bring it up. I mean, people have said to me, well, I knew that, there was something going on, but I didn't want to say anything to him. And it would have ruined our friendship. But, well, would you rather ruin your friendship at that moment than have him do something drastic and, yeah. and, and really go off the deep end? Uh, well, you see the pictures all the time on social media of someone standing at a grave going, I wish I would have said something, or why didn't you tell me? And I'm like, well, sometimes all the all the signs, all the red flags are there, and we're so busy on our smartphones nowadays or not paying. We've got people right in front of us, Butch. Um, I asked Paul to do a drawing of a firefighter sitting at the kitchen table, and across him is a male, female, male firefighter, brother, sister, brother. And on him, Butch, he's got all these notes, PTSD, family problems, kid ran away, dependency, all the financial problems. Yeah. And he's got a big red blinking clown nose that says help. And you look across at his brother, his two brothers and his sister in the firehouse. He's at the kitchen table, and they're all on their phones. And, and, and we're right in front of ourselves sometimes, and we don't see it. Like you said, there's... Or we don't want to say anything because we don't want to get someone mad. Or and I right? Don't you say? Don't you feel if you're truly a brother, a sister, a friend, then you'll risk all that to help someone, right? Exactly. You know what? I, I 
I rather ruin a relationship with, with a good friend or even a relative um, and have them go for help than than not at all. You know, if if given a choice, well, I'm going to go for help, but I never want to see you again. Okay, fine. That that's you know, um, you know, when I had the the instance with the the you know, God, it was the best man in my in my wedding, uh, Bert Phillips. Um, I jettisoned all my friends after 9 11. I jettisoned. I didn't want to talk to anybody anymore. You know, because yeah. and that's a whole other story. You know, that was like a case of, of just feeling failure for for a couple of years. But he, he he kind of came down from Boston, came into my house. I was downstairs in, in my family room, and and uh, really didn't want to talk to him, but I did. And you know what? That was that was the moment in, in time for me that that decided. You know, I got to do something. You know. This guy drove all the way down, took off yeah. from work, literally broke into my house almost, and to come sit on a couch and and uh, and, and talk with me. So and it, it's just and the impact, like my, I told you about my son, an FMF corpsman, a Navy, a Navy Fleet Marine Force corpsman. So he was attached to the Marines in Afghanistan, and when he came back after doing his tours, he did six years. You know, he works for Lockheed Martin. You know, he he's he's very open about his his PTSD and stuff from some of the bad things that went on, but um. He was he was actually they brought him back. The, this big one star wanted him to come back to Great Lakes and work at the hospital. This is a, he's got all his medals. He's a combat veteran. He's a corpsman, and he's telling me the story. But she's on the phone with another vet that's in the parking lot. He called him, and he's running with his phone, trying to go get to this guy. And by the time he got to him, the guy had taken his own life in the car. And he goes, "Dad, he goes, I feel like I failed." I go. You know, it's all about you. You can't help someone that doesn't ask to be helped or doesn't tell you. You know, there's a lot of people, right? That are there's a lot of butch cobs that are walking around out there that are worried about, like you said. And if we don't know, that's the whole point of your program yeah. and your, what yeah. you share is say something. You know, I mean, it's okay. What are we teaching the academy now? We're telling young firefighters, butchy, it's okay not be okay. It's okay to talk to someone. That's why I thought your story was so important. So walk us through like your class. If I brought you to my department, if I brought you to Estes Valley in Colorado or Wichita West, or man, now, what what are some of the things you would be telling and talking to our men and women about, about your experience, about your program? Well, the first two things I say are one, um, that, you know, that, that there's hope. It doesn't have to last forever because there's so much out there. And the other thing I, I think, which maybe is a little bit different in my program is um, I had a great therapist who took all the negative things I was thinking about, all the negative things, um, the things I wouldn't do because I was afraid. I had a therapist turn that around and somehow or another, he got me to, to channel all the bad into something good. And, and and what he wanted me to do was to pick something, something in my life that that, that I wanted to do and, and not related to family or, or, or kids or, or anything like that. Now, I had been a fireman for a long time in Jersey City. Uh, I was afraid, almost afraid to take a test. And he 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 got me to channel all the negative into positive. Mm -hmm. And he, I turned into a fanatical studier. And I was on a job probably 75 to whoa, 80, 88, I think. Yeah. Uh, and I started studying to the point where it was irritating to people. I'd walk around with 20, 25 three by five cards with a question on the front and the answer on the back and reading books. I could, I could give you chapter and verse out of Brunacini's incident command book, chapter and verse out of uh, uh, Vinnie Dunn's collapse of burning buildings, chapter and verse out of John Norman's book, 
I was just 20 hours a day. I was studying and, and then I took the captain's test and uh, I was real fortunate. I came out one on the captain's test and we didn't have lieutenants at the time. And, but that was all because I learned how to channel the negative into, into what I call a post-traumatic stress success. That's, that's like, I use that, that, that term in, in my program, post-traumatic stress success. And my story about how I did that. And I think a lot of people talk about post-traumatic stress, but I don't hear many people talking about succeeding, taking that. Well, you know, that's a great point. I'm glad you brought that up because you're exactly right. There's a lot of scary experts, firefighters that go through a class. They go through a class and um, they come home and they make their own PowerPoint presentation. And it's okay to share. Like if you came to my department, I would hope, my training chief would take what you taught and share it, you know, with those, but not go out and start working the circuit, you know, because there's doctors that don't even know what the answer right. is, that, you know? So, but you, that's such a great point. We talk about it. It's like when we do our Mayday class, Butch, there's a, there's a point at the end we call returning to normalcy because everybody does these Mayday classes, Mayday, Mayday, do all stuff. And then they, it's done. And I go, wait a minute, we still have a job to finish here. We have the, we, we came here, and it's like just what you said. We talk about it, but we don't talk about climbing out of it and and this and actually the success stories. And there are a bunch of we think if you have PTSD, I think that's a scary thing. That's it. You're done. Your whole life's over. And even though sometimes something like my son will have it for the rest of his life, but the VA, you said it. The VA helps him all the time. He sees counselors and he he manages it that way. But nobody ever talks about the success. You know, I think that's such a great point you brought up, buddy. Yeah, yeah, and, and a lot has to do with the VA because I eventually went to the VA for, for all the uh, the programs that they have. The uh, you know, I got to look at my notes because my memory is terrible. But you know, things like uh, uh, cognitive be behavioral therapy that was that was they're the best at it. They're the best in the world. I mean, look at look at all the examples they have to use. I mean, all these soldiers coming back, you know, and just a quick plug, you know, my, my therapist at, at, at the VA, um, I asked her, I said, you know, it's kind of embarrassing, I said, at my age to come in here and, and, and start talking about this. And she said to me, 70% of her patients of Vietnam veterans, my age, and this, this is going back uh, 10 years, and she said, we can't get the kids from Iraq and Afghanistan to come in. They just, uh, whatever the reason is. Yeah. Butchie, you, you know, so I know I know you know who this is, you being a soldier. He's a good friend of mine. I love him dearly. But Colonel Bruce Crandall, if you, for our listeners, if you saw the movie, We Were Soldiers with Mel Gibson, the helicopter pilot, the captain, uh, sn uh, snake shit, right? Bruce Crandall, he's a Medal of Honor recipient. He's one of my heroes. I, I use him in class. I, I call him the checkup. But when he retired from the Army, he ended up for like 25 years. He's a public works director, Olympia, Washington. And we were on a plane ride together for four hours, Butch. And I was just, I don't get giddy over many people, right? Um, I was giddy over him. I was like, this is, he's, if you read his bio, if you saw him sitting next to you, you go, what a nice looking grandpa. And then you read his bio and you go, 750 missions. The guy, you, un by God, believable. And what he brought up, he said, you know, Rick, he goes, look, I was a lifer in Vietnam. I, I was not drafted. I did, that was my thing. He goes, and I did my, whatever it was back there was like what year and a half another year whatever he says i i'm working with veterans right now 
Afghanistan veterans that are on their 13th and 14th deployment. Now, granted, they're eight months at a crack sometimes, but that's 13, 14 back and forth of things you're seeing. He goes, we have a ticking time bomb. That's just what he said. He goes, if we don't step up and, and figure a way to coax them, like you just said, coax them into this down the road, we're going to have a huge ticking time bomb. And I, again, I'm glad you brought that up as well, because how, how right was that statement, right? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And, and, and it, that ticking time bomb went off. I mean, uh, the suicide rate with veterans is unbelievable. It's off the chart. Um, well, didn't uh, you say, Butch, though, because a lot of people don't know, you as the ops chief uh, in Jersey City, you responded mutual aid right away through the tunnel on 9-11. And I know you told me the story. And I don't want to bring up bad memories for you because it's a horrible day. And, and uh, uh, you know, but... You know, you, you, I mean, you told me that story. You responded through. Actually, one of your dispatchers got killed. A lot of people don't know about the Jersey City dispatcher got killed 9-11. But, you know, being there and witnessing it, and then you were you made it, you lived through the first one, and you witnessed it again, and you actually, you saw FDNY guys lose their lives. And I remember you telling me it, it kind of rocketed me, rocketed me back to Vietnam, and I said, I got to go back to counseling. It was like the trigger. Yeah. It, now, granted, it's a huge event for some people, it could be their father dying that they're they're so close to it. You know, it was horrible and traumatic and huge as 9-11 was. And we know that was a horrible event. We lost so many great people. Sometimes, Butch, right? It's just it's that it's that it's that it's the third it's the last baby call, right? It's like I just had yeah. another infant CPR and you know, it's that trigger, right? You talked about this before. What 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 do you so the talk about the triggering part of it, the variations that don't, you know. That's something they, they they start talking about right away and, and they work on right away. They have programs to eliminate the triggers. Um, they, and, and one of the programs I went through was picking, I did it like, two, I think twice, when you pick the worst, the worst, um, you know, the worst scenario that, that has happened in your life. And, and, you know, I went back to the VA after 9-11 and, and, uh, um, no, so they picked the worst. I had to walk through the worst moments of being there. And every day for like six weeks, or not every day, every once a week for, for six or seven weeks, I'd go in and repeat the story over and over again. And and my, my therapist would tape it and take it home, and you had to listen to it at home. And what happened was you talked about it so much that it wasn't a trigger anymore. You could talk right. about it freely. Yeah, it just... It just it 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 taught your brain to you know what, don't scare the hell out of them, because um, you talk about it so much it became like, like you and I talking right now. So that's that's just one of their programs, and, and it's one of the things that I try to explain that are out there that that there are ways to to make a trigger, almost disappear, almost disappear. I mean, well, you know, it's, and, and yeah. so many so many guys, Butch, will talk at. They'll talk about what it is, and that will actually trigger something because they don't have the follow-up. They don't have the means, the VA, or they don't have the 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 counseling, you know, stuff set up with their, their own organization. They don't have the, you know, they don't have the ability. And and I think sometimes we say you need to talk about it, but but if you don't have part two, it's one thing to talk with your buddies at the firehouse, the guys and gals you work with, but you have to have part two. You have to have the ability, like you know, and, and I know you 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 love the VA because they're they're incredible. I uh, wish the, the VA does a great job for our 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 servicemen and women. 
the people above them don't do a good job taking care of the VA. We, uh, you, know, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, it's, it's my good buddy, Marcus Luttrell that, you know, from Lone Survivor, the Navy SEAL said, I remember him telling me, Ricky, he goes, if, if our politicians had the same healthcare that, that our vets had, we'd have a different system. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. but, but I think how important, Butch, is it to connect those two? Cause it's one thing to tell your story to someone else, but to not have the ability to, speak with a professional, you know, a, you know, you, you, you know, I think sometimes guys don't know what they don't know what the next step is or how to do it because a lot of places are still living in the, in caves 150 years ago. Yeah. Right? I mean, talk yeah. about that connection. It has to be there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, there's, there's gotta be every fire department in the country right now should have some type of, of way for you to connect to get help. And I, I have to give a, a shout out to Jersey City. Um, uh, Paul Drennan is a retired deputy chief. Um, he, he's had a, some traumatic events um, in his life and he decided to do something about it. And he started the, uh, um, he created the uh, the, FD, the FDJC peer support group with the help of his cousin, Stevie Drennan, who was also a deputy chief and now is chief of department in Jersey City. And, um, you know, they went to the chief at the time, Steve McGill, and he, he said, yeah, run with this. Now, they, their support group has grown so much, and um, and I'm going to be an integral part of it um, soon. And it's now open statewide. There are, there are fire departments from all over the state of New Jersey that call Stevie up and say, listen, can you come and talk to my guys? We had this happen. Or, or a lot of departments for preventative reasons of saying, could you come speak to my department before something happens? Well, and that so, goes back to the Academy, yeah. right? To the probies where they need a butch yeah. cob to, to show up on a day in the Academy and introduce you and, and, you know, here in walks this, and I know you hate this word and I don't give a shit. In walks this legend, this, <laughs> this, this legend in the fire service. You're, look, you're one of my idols, buddy. I love you. You're my brother. You're one of my very good friends, but I adore you and your 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 personality, your friendship, and but your experience. Um, when Butch Cobb, Chief Butch Cobb walks in, and then when you tell your story, I've often thought about that. Could you imagine if you walk Butch into an academy class? If he's having the impact in our classes by me telling your story, could you imagine the impact and telling guys ahead of time? You're gonna see stuff. What 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 a firefighter yeah. sees is not normal. It's not normal to hold dead babies in your arm and burnt up bodies and severed arm and people scream over that you're cutting out a car or CPR on someone's kid with a mom's over you. It's not normal for that. And to say ahead of time, Butch, like you said, it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to go talk to someone. To, I, 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 there should be fire academies calling you going, what would it take to get you out here to have you walk in one day and just spend a morning with the, with our, our candidates? And, yeah. and I think that, what, like you said, before... You know, it's like to say no to drugs. How about, we, you know, that campaign works quite often because we're telling little kids before they become big kids, you know. Well, you know, I'm really happy to see that, the, that a lot of departments and the fire service, you know, um, as a whole are being proactive now. I know in Jersey City, if there's anything that resembles a traumatic event, they give you the opportunity, that company or 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 or, or the couple guys that were involved in it, they give them that opportunity right away, talk about it, um, to to tell them, you know, if you're feeling worse in a couple of weeks, you know, they give them the whole the whole uh, avenue of of, uh, 
of what they could do. So they're kind of proactive with it, which which, which I think is uh, is great, rather than being reactive. You know what? I think this PTSD this has to be this has to be proactive um, and, and not reactive. Well, and don't you feel, Butch, that most of the guys I had a captain do once who I I love this captain, one of my toughest thirty plus year truck guys. We had a bad month, and we had a cargo. I mean, we had a lot of bad calls, and on this particular shift, we had a car drive off in the lake with seven occupants. We ended up with six drownings. We had divers in the water within four minutes. I had five helicopters on the ground. Six months through 33-0, six CPRs on the pier at once. And I, I, when we went to do the the defusing with the team, this camp says, I'm not going in there. I don't need this shit. I am not going there. I'm not, you can't make me. I go, I can't order you in there. But And so he went through this whole tough guy thing. And, and I love him. He's a great guy. And and, and and Butch, I, I went and got him about 10 minutes. I said, come here for a second. I said, I won't say his name. I go, look, I need you to do me both a professional as your chief and a personal favor. You need to walk back in that day room and tell your guys, hey, look, come here for a second. <clears throat> look, you know, we just had a bad day. This is still the greatest job in the world. But that was me just running my mouth. You know what? 35 years ago, if we would have had this kind of counseling. I don't know how many guys we would have kept from alcoholism, drug oh. abuse, divorce. Yeah. Yeah. This is a good thing. We're going in there. I said, you go in there. And when they sit down and say, so would anybody like to start off? You say, you know what? I think it sucks. Little kids dying sucks. And I want to talk about it. this is the reason it bothers yeah. me because, and he did this. And I said, because those young guys, they just heard one of their idols, their captain say, I don't need this yet. You think they're going to ask for help? And he goes, you're right. And he, and he made a difference. Sometimes I, and I've said this before, when a tough guy says, I don't need that shit. They actually told Butch, I need it, right? When they say, I don't need it, and they put up this big front, they're actually telling yeah. you, actually, I do need it, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. And that, that, you got to recognize that. You know, what, what are the examples I use of of the of what happened in the past and what happens now is um, I was at a, a fire in a two-and-a-half-story frame with, uh, um, and I was only on a job, I was a, 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 you know, maybe three years, four years, and I had a, a, another guy who had less time, Jimmy Early. Turned out to be a great captain and a great firefighter. And we get into this two and a half story frame, people yelling about the girl up in the attic apartment, blah, 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 attic bedroom. And, and we we get up there with the line, we're crawling in, crawling in. We wanted to get, you know, to the stairs, to the attic. And the roof caves in, the, the, the ceiling comes down as we're pinned flat. And we can hear the fire burning above us. We can't uh, move. We're like, uh. we can't get to the nozzle. My mask is at my side, Rick, because I wasn't going to put it on until I really needed it. <laughs> you know? yeah. so, I was worried. I mean, really worried. And in a matter of, it seemed like 20 minutes, but in a matter of just, you know, maybe less than a minute, I, I could feel the rubble kind of moving a little bit. And somebody grabs my boots and it, it's, uh, it was Lieutenant Jack Duffy. Um, and he pulls me out and I get out and, you know, and I'm kind of shaking and he crawls back in and he, he grabs Jimmy, he drags him out. And what happened was this other fireman, Mike Lynch, had gotten in there enough to, on his hands and knees, to raise the debris enough just to get a flat body out. And they pulled us both out and Jack and Mike got awards and, and uh, Jack got something from the state and blah, blah, blah. But you know what? When the incident was over, Jimmy and I went downstairs and medics, the, 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 I don't know if what medics back then, might have been, came over and, you know, dabbing some stuff on our ears, we had some burns. and But... 30 minutes later, we're back in the firehouse high-fiving each other, laughing. Yeah. Oh, Jimmy wasn't at that. was great. You know, blah, blah, blah. You know, and just, it was like, oh, it was great. You know, we got <laughs> trapped. Our lives got saved. Well, I went home that night, 
and turned totally different. I didn't tell my wife. I didn't. I just sat there. I don't think I said a word uh, until the next morning. I went back back to work. But when I got home, it was like, holy shit! I said, you know what? There's a chance we couldn't get out of there. But, yeah. But it was it was you know that's how we talked about it. High five and, and and you know and 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 but nowadays if that same situation would happen, you'd be off duty. You'd you'd be you'd be treated. Somebody'd meet you at the hospital to talk to you about it. You'd you'd, you'd have you'd have counseling. So the, the change is so much better now. And I use those examples in my program of of, of kind of how it used to be, and, and it really can't be like that anymore. If your department acts like that in a situation like that, then you're doing the wrong thing. You got to be proactive. You got to get this off your chest. Talk about it. Um, well, so don't you just, think, Butch, that some of the high fiving and some of the adrenaline afterwards is actually a release for a lot of guys, you know, a lot of people I've had to explain how many times you've been standing outside as a chief and the family stand next to you and you hear your guys inside laughing and high five. And you try to explain to family, they're not excited because your house just burned. That's yeah. a release of that energy, that adrenaline yeah. rush. Cause they just faced a pretty, pretty tough enemy. And one you're, you're alive and your family's okay. You know, that kind of thing. Don't you think some of that is, that's just masking. It's almost, well, I don't say masking. It's a release. It's that energy you know, and that's where good bosses are paying attention. They're going, yeah, they're in there high-fiving, but I need to talk to each one of them. And I think that's where we fail, right? A lot of chiefs, a lot of bosses, a lot of company officers, they go to a bad call, and I'll ask, so have you talked to him? Oh, uh, yeah, he's okay. Uh, no, no, wait a minute. You know, did you give him a call at home the next day when they're away from the firehouse? Did you follow up? If you truly, right, if you're truly that brother or sister, we always talk about it's easy to take care of in the firehouse, right? You know, manage the consequences of other people's actions. You know, slow down, put your seatbelt on, get a backer, put your face piece on, put your face piece back on, we're in too far. But what about when they're away from the firehouse? You said it before, the follow-up with your own guys, you know, yeah. uh, reaching out and talking to them and just making that phone call. And, you know, that could that could be the difference maker, right? Oh, absolutely, yeah. yeah. It's just, it's all about awareness now. And I think that's pretty much what my program tries to do, that one, um, be aware of, of the people around you and how they're acting, especially if, if, if there is an, uh, a, a traumatic event. Two, and I think which is really important, um, there's hope. There's so much out there now that the way you feel, um, it's not going to, it doesn't have to last forever, but it's up to you. If you don't take the first step or if somebody doesn't come and push you into the first step, you know it's going to go on, but it doesn't have to last forever. There's too much out there now, uh, and I'm Don't a prime wish, example of it. Yeah. Which is the same thing when you've had to hook someone up that's done something stupid, or they had a dependency problem with drugs or alcohol. I said it before. I had a guy who threatened my family that I I had to fire. Well, he fired himself, and during the hearing, during the the lawsuit, he lost everything. I mean, it was it was he did horrible things with people, but and yet there's firefighters that think he's like walks on water. I'm like, what, what, I don't know how you say that but anyway i i said it i go they go what do you think i, I wish i would have had him as a rookie i wish i would have had him as a probie i wish i would have had him then to walk him down that path somebody there was no parenting there was no leadership there was no supervision somebody just you know john says it all the time uh colin powell's quote you know never walk past the mistake and you walk past this mistake for 22 years and never did nothing to take care of it so I think there's a lot of people, like you say, that if we had said something sooner or or been the boss that we wanted to be, you know, what they say, everybody wants to be the lion until it's time to do lion shit, you know, um, you know, to, to take care of business, right? 
Yeah, yeah, it, it's uh, yeah. I, I'm just I'm just glad that 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 it, it it's gotten to where it is now. Um, you know, not that it's a buzzword, but it's just you know everybody's aware now. I think the awareness is going to save people's lives. Really, just like you know, just like firemen, what we do daily, save people's lives. Well, there's there's enough information out there and enough awareness that it could save your life. And I'm, I'm hoping that you know the whole point of this is just be aware of what's going on. You know, there's exactly. people out there every day that have changed a little bit. Recognize that and, and, and try to reach out. And, and for yourself, if you're strong enough, take that step. Take that step. Pick up the phone. Talk to somebody. Get the process started. Because, like I said, uh, there's hope. There is definite oh, hope. And, John, you've got two Marines in your family. Uh, you've got a, a, a son who's a major, is a MARSOC in their special forces and has deployed i mean there's you know james would never tell you he's like butch about his medals he would he you know he's not that kind of guy he's a great leader but he's been through some pretty tough situations um you've got two marines you have a you know there's one son's a marine and a firefighter um i know you're a huge advocate you know having been with the ftoi all those years and with your with saw blooming grove you know how important and from your end is it like butch said to actually make that first phone call and ask to talk to someone or, you know, because we've talked about a lot of times it's not even fire department related. There's things going on at home that doesn't take away any of the importance of the fact that someone is having issues. And then they go to that one bad call and that triggers it. You know, John, you've talked about that, about being more proactive before, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, and I remember now that I'm hearing Butch talk about it, um, I remember back when I was a young lieutenant, 17 engine, we had a couple of incidents back then and boom, bang, boom. It just got handled. It got handled very quickly by the job, which I was actually pretty shocked back then because, you know, PTSD and, and recognizing it and, and having some not solutions for it, but some treatments for it wasn't really very popular back then. I'm talking 30, 35 years ago. Um, and, and today as well. And it, it really highlights the point that it's so important to have people like Butch around guys, guys that have established reputations in the fire service or in the PD or in the military, you know, or, or wherever it is. You, I mean, nurses think about nurses, what they see, the stuff that goes on in, in emergency rooms and, 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 you know, EMT people out on the street, medical, right. Um, it's important to have number one, it's important for your organization to have it set up, right. You, you, it, it's gotta be available. You gotta, you gotta have it on a, on a, uh, you know, either people that are part of your organization that do it, part of your medical division, or they got to have a contract with an agency that does it in town, but it's got to be already set up. It can't be something that some captain or some chief is on the phone calling up saying, Hey, we had a really bad situation. I got a couple of guys that are taking it real hard. You know, well, can, can we have them? Well, okay, chief, we'll, uh, we'll look into it and see if we can find somebody. That's not what you want to hear. You want to hear, oh, absolutely, absolutely. G give me their names and, and and their phone numbers. We'll contact contact them. That's how we do it. And you hear that there are so many, there are so many places that have it. Number one, number two, when you start talking to people like, like the three of us and a lot of a lot of our listeners, I'm sure as well, if you're involved in training and seminars and teaching. You hear about it a lot because there's always somebody, you know, we, there's D Dina Alley and, and others in the fire service that, that write for, you know, engineering and, uh, and, and, and teach and train and travel around. It's so wonderful that there are people out there able to do it because everybody is not able to do what Butch can do. 
even even guys that have his credentials, even guys that have benefited from maybe receiving that themselves, like teaching. There are guys that are great firefighters that really couldn't teach too well. There are guys that, that are great recipients and great and, and promoters of treatment of PTSD that really wouldn't know how to get the ball rolling. So it's good that the we all have it set up in our organizations, you know, ready to go. Yeah, it goes back to the proactiveness that never was there before. And we're always kind of late sometimes. And I'll say this, <clears throat> we're not digging the fire service if you're listening. Um, we've come a long ass way with this in a proactive manner. Chief Bobby Halton, God rest Bobby. Bobby was a huge advocate, changed our whole magazine and FDIC around to where we became advocates of mental health awareness. But Butch, I know you got to run. Um, John, John's been, been playing grandpa with his, uh, well, not, not 157 grandkids like Mickey Conboy, but I think he's got 77 now. Um, but Butch, if they wanted to get a hold of you to do your program, um, if they want to get a hold of you and say, Chief Cobb, who is the who is the chief at Jersey City that I can maybe reach out that would send me their maybe their policies in Jersey City for for PTS for you know critical incident stress because it, it's already out there you don't have to reinvent the wheel. Number, what, what's a good email for you, brother, if they want to reach out to you? Um, well, I'm, I'm on. John's going to yell at me. I'm not a social media guy. I'm not on Facebook. Um, <laughs> I, I'm on I'm on Instagram, and it's uh, on Instagram. It's Rescue Boss Twelve Seventy. R-E-S-Q-B-O-S-S-1270, R-E-S-Q-B-O-S-S-1270, and my, and my uh, uh, email address is uh, rescueboss at hotmail.com, and it's R-E-S-Q-B-O-S-S at hotmail.com. Um, yeah, if anybody's interested, uh, um, you know, so anyway, that's- uh, I don't care, I don't care if you're not interested. You need to be, you need to be getting a hold of Butch Cobb, all right? You need to be getting a hold of Chief Cobb. You know, like I said, wake up, smell the coffee, and do the right thing for your people. So, uh, Butchie, John, any closing thoughts before Butchie's got to leave in about three minutes here? Any closing? No, thoughts? No, nothing much. I got, I got some, a couple of screaming people here. I'm gonna have to go investigate in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> um, real quick, Butch, I want to throw this out here to our listeners. Um, there's, there's several great programs and entities and agencies in the fire service that can help you out. Um, you know, the national volunteer fire council has the share the load program. Um, so you can go to the national volunteer fire council, um, the firefighter, firefighter behavior health Alliance, Jeff deal was the founder. Um, their website is ffbha.org firefighter behavior health Alliance. They have little bifold, uh, little bifold cards you can carry in your wallet. They have phone numbers. They have the top five behavioral health issues, suicide signs affecting firefighters and EMS professionals, and then they have the top five steps to assist your brother and sister. So ffbha.org, there's plenty of places. Reach out to Chief Cobb. Butch, I can't, John and I can't thank you enough. Um, uh, dude, you're awesome. I, I, like I said, I love you to death. You, you, you gotta, you'll always have a very special place in my heart. And what you're doing now, um, what you've been doing for years, what you're doing now is incredible. And, uh, People need to take you up on on your offer and come out and share your story. Teach a program for them, and uh, uh, I love you, buddy. And uh, uh, my best to you. I, I was excited, John. I was like, "We got to get Butch on the show." You know how he talked. You go. I'm like, "Okay, John, we're getting show." So, thanks. It meant a lot. And and like I said, um, I wouldn't have started talking about this program with anybody else other than 
than you and him. You know, John mentioned we just clicked, you know, a million years ago. John and I just clicked one day um, doing something for Firehouse. And the same thing with uh, with you and I. We just clicked. And I'll tell you, the first thing I learned from you, I learned a lot from you, a lot. But the, the, the first thing I learned from you was we were having lunch somewhere. And I, I think it was in Texas. And I had just met you. And I had a stain on my shirt. And you remember what you told me? You you pulled out this white this pen thing and you and you cleaned my that's that's the first thing I learned from you. How to clean a stain off a shirt before you go speak. Well, because I'm I'm the worst, John. I talk about it. I could have a guy six tables away from me eating pasta and I'll get splashed with his sauce on my white chief shirt. I'm like, I had more tied stick pens and stuff. I, yeah, I carried two or three of them in my bag every since. <laughs> thank you for that, Rick. Which thank God. Butch, thank you so much, John. You got uh, some some uh, goodbyes for Butch. Yeah, have a good one. Uh, I mean, Butch and I, Butch and I don't talk as often as you, but we talk pretty regular. And uh, <laughs> you know, I don't know how often it is. It's you know, a couple of times a week or whatever. Sometimes yeah. we miss each other, but uh, yes, I'll, we'll, we'll be catching up soon. Uh, yeah, well, good, share, yeah. Thanks for sharing your story, Butch, so much. Um, to our to our viewers. Um, you can get a hold of uh, John at chiefjohnsalka at gmail.com. You can get a hold of me at chieflasky at gmail.com. We're on all the social media stuff. And we end our shows always asking you to please, especially on old school, the command post of fire engineer, hump day hangouts, please keep the men and women in our armed forces in your thoughts and prayers. And remember, never forgetting means never forgetting. Take care. We'll catch you next time. And God bless all of you. Thanks, Rick. Thank Take you. care, Butch. Take care, John. Talk to you soon. <laughs>